Good afternoon. Welcome. This is James. I'm sorry I could not do the podcast on Thursday. I ended up having to stay down in Texas for a couple days because um, I couldn't get a rental car. And so uh, I ended up getting a, a rental car. Initially, they told me all I could have was a Ford Mustang. And I was like, I really don't want to drive in this nasty weather with a rear-wheel drive sports car. And so when I showed up the next morning, they gave me a... Oh, I'm trying to sit down. They gave me a Chevy Trax instead, which obviously was better on gas. Uh, surprisingly good ride. Um, I'm not saying I'm just going to run out and buy one. But I, I was impressed. So... Here we're going to do, um, um, the, uh, fourth in this series. Uh, if people like this kind of material, uh, I can talk about other groups. Um, let me say before I start with this, that, uh, if you're really interested in doing apologetics work on and witnessing to certain groups like Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, you've got to do a lot more work than just listen to this one podcast. Um, I am, I don't know why uh, God's leading me to learn more about Mormons. Um, but I, I believe that they are being misled. Uh, honest, sincere people who want to um, learn about God and and have a relationship with Him, they're, they're, they're being deceived. Um, same goes with Jehovah's Witnesses. Of course, the, their official name is the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Now, a lot of this material, in fact, 99% of it, is going to be from an apologetics class that I uh, had the privilege of auditing uh, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, so I give all the credit for this material to Dr. James R. White, um, who's the director of Alpha and Omega Ministries. Uh, I say all that because I don't want to... Uh, take credit for someone else's work. I'm just trying to present it here so that more people have access to it. Um, he started off the class by saying, well, it was primarily, the class was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In Saturday morning, we covered uh, Roman Catholicism and Mormons. And then we had a lunch, and then we came back and, and we talked about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. So this was Saturday afternoon. Uh, he said, think narrow spectrum, but deep knowledge. They have, they're very focused and specific on certain things that they have a lot of knowledge of. Um, some of their elders uh, do uh, have knowledge of uh, New Testament Greek. Um, I know Dr. White has said on, on, not in the class, but on his 
uh, internet show, uh, The Dividing Line, that if you see two Jehovah's Witnesses, one of them is going to be fairly young. Typically, the other one is is much older. And that person is... Um, that person can probably out-argue or do a better job defending his point of view than most pastors. Um, you, mo most of the time when they go out two by two, you're, the older person has been doing this for years and years and years. Now, there are some primary issues I want to deal with. Number one, uh, Jehovah is the only true God in their eyes. Um, they do not think of uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit being co-equal with God the Father in their eyes. There's one God. Now, I believe in one God in three persons. So, Jehovah's Witnesses are not Trinitarian. Um, they believe that Jesus is subordinate to, uh, and actually, the second primary issue, they, they believe that Michael, the archangel, is Jehovah's first and only direct creation. So, Jehovah creates Michael, and then Michael creates everything else. Uh, so, number three, all other things were created by Michael. And point number four is that Michael is the one who becomes Jesus. Um, Dr. White told us a story of Martin Smart, who was a Jehovah's Witness apologist. He was not... Uh, I believe this is the guy that was not really connected to a home church and then later became a Jehovah's Witness. So if you're going to engage with any group, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses or others, uh, make sure you have a good support system. Um, they deny that Jesus was crucified on a uh, tau-shaped cross, or what we would call a small T. Um, they believe it was basically a pole, just one single pole, and that his hands were placed above his head and one on top of the other, and then a uh, spike was driven through both hands. Um, it's kind of a minor thing. It's one of those things that they um, are really hung up on. I, don't, I honestly don't know why. Um, they deny that Jesus physically rose from the dead. Remember, they believe that he's really Michael the Archangel, so um, they refer to the Holy Spirit, point number five, as a force. Uh, in their New World Translation, uh, Matthew 3.11 says, that one will baptize you with Holy Spirit. They don't say the Holy Spirit, it's with Holy Spirit. Um, Dr. White shared a story where he was in a older couple's house uh, that was Jehovah's Witnesses and the um, 
trying to fix something here. <clears throat> the um, he shared with her this well, he shared with the couple um, John fourteen fourteen, where Jesus said, "If you ask anything in my name, well, if you believe that." <laughs> That Jesus really is Michael the Archangel, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Well, why would you ask anything in Jesus' name? And um, needless to say, uh, this was the only time Dr. White said he has ever been physically hit by anybody of another faith group. Uh, she literally took her right hand and swatted him across the face. And he could look over at the husband, and the husband had this kind of like dejected uh, look on his face, like like it had happened to him. So, um, the the barrier, the biggest barrier you're dealing with with Jehovah's Witnesses is the New World Translation. Apparently, this there was a new version of this that came out six years ago. Um, they are firmly convinced that the Watchtower Society did the best job translating the New Testament and uh, translating the whole Bible, and that the other translations are, are wrong because, uh, well, churches had to change things in order to justify the trinity in reality it's the other way around <laughs> and it's sad uh no, point number six jehovah has an organization the quote-unquote faithful and discreet slave of matthew 24 verse 45 they do not use the word church um and i will tell you from my own experience if you ever see a building that is owned by the Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, the one obvious uh, trait or characteristic of a building owned by the Jehovah's Witnesses is that it will have no windows. They do not want people looking in and seeing their church, their their religious gathering um considering how cold it is outside right now um and you can touch the window and even though it keeps out some of the cold air or i should say most of the cold air um there might actually be a practical reason why not to have a windows on a building <laughs> but um obviously you want natural light to get, come in you want to be able to see outside um, but maybe that's why they do it. Maybe that's why those buildings are like that is to, is to cut down on costs. Um, I'm not hundred percent certain, but I, every building I've ever seen that has, uh, that the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, where they meet, uh, I've never seen a building that the Jehovah's Witnesses have that has windows. So, um, 
number seven. Uh, there, are, in their eyes, there are three groups in salvation. There's the anointed class, so that's the hundred and forty-four thousand that's found in Revelation. I mean, they take that very literally. I um, do not. <laughs> um, if you think about it, um, and this is one explanation I've heard, you've got 12 apostles, and then you have the 12 tribes of Israel, and 12 times 12 is 144. So um, that's just one explanation I've ever heard. But in their eyes, they teach the anointed class of believers is that 144,000. And then there's a great crowd of witnesses. These are people that are saved. Um, and then there's everyone else. Uh, thing you have to realize about Jehovah's Witnesses is that um, as of a couple of years ago, there were more Jehovah's Witnesses in the United States than there were Mormons. Now, Mormonism has done well in other parts of the earth, and Jehovah's Witnesses has not. Um, but the numbers that Dr. White gave us was that there was about 8.5 million Jehovah's Witnesses in the United States, and there's only about 6.5 million Mormons. Um, their Memorial Supper, which is their version of the Lord's Supper, takes place, and they use the Jewish calendar on... Nisan 14. They only, do, they only do it once a year. Typically in larger cities, they will rent out convention centers to do this. And they'll, uh, according to these numbers that Dr. White gave us, in 1974, there were 4.5 million people gathered and only 10,723 people actually partook. Because the only the anointed class can partake of the memorial supper. Now, what they won't tell you is that God, in their teaching, God stopped calling people into the anointed class in 1935. In 1980, there were 5.7 million people that gathered, and only 9,564 partook. I didn't do the math on the. 1994, it went up to 12.8 million Jehovah's Witnesses gathered around the world. Not just here in the United States, but around the world. And only 8,617 people partook. That's um, seven, it's not even 7%, it's 0.07%. Um, 2008, there were 17,790,631 and only 9,986 people, which is 0.056% partook. Now, the thing they don't want to tell you is that there was a prophecy given in 1914, and they believe that Christ returned invisibly in 1914 and that one generation from 1914 that Armageddon would take place. They are very big into believing that we are in the end times and that uh, God is going to come back and judge the world and everything's going to be over. Problem is, is that these um, 
this particular group has prophesied incorrectly that Armageddon would come in 1914, 1915, 1918, 1925, 1943, and then again in 1975. And they haven't said anything since then. Um, there is biblical evidence to show that there's this three-class system that the Jehovah's Witnesses have is not biblical. If you want to look these verses up, you can. Look up Romans 8, 4 through 9, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, Revelation 7, 9 through 12, and Matthew 26, verse 27. I can tell you from my own knowledge that one of the things that Paul talked about a lot in the New Testament epistles was that he was firmly against having separate um, house churches where you'd have Jews over here and, and Gentiles over at another group. Because they didn't meet in large churches back then. They, they In order to hide and in order to be protected from uh, persecution or worse, um, they would meet in people's homes. And so the challenge was to, because before these Jewish people would become Christians, you know, they would go by the Jewish faith, and the Jewish faith told them to not associate with Gentiles. Well, once they became a Christian, they, you know, in Romans, it says that, you know, Romans 3 says there's no one righteous, no, not one. And it says we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 23. So Paul argued extensively that uh, there's no Jew or Greek, um, slave or free, that we are all one in Christ. And so he did not want them, the house churches to be you know, Jews over here and Gentiles over there. He wanted them to be united in Christ. So there are no separate classes of believers. Um, if you're interested in more information, uh, Raymond Franz, F-R-A-N-Z, is a former Jehovah's Witness. He wrote a book called The Crisis of Conscience. Apparently he was pretty high up in the Jehovah's Witnesses hierarchy. So... Um, Interesting to note that there's a book that they have called The Aid to Bible Understanding. Uh, it says that Babylon ca captured Jerusalem in 607 AD. Uh, not AD, BC. I need to correct that in my notes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, that would have put it around the time of uh, Muhammad. Um, in reality, um, Jerusalem fell under the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in 586 or 587 BC. We've pretty much got it within those, somewhere between 586 or 587 BC, that's when Jerusalem fell. 
Now, um, as far as active, what they call active publishers, people that actually go door to door and knock on doors, well, because of the pandemic, they've been writing letters, apparently. But, I mean, in 1974, there was 1.78, 1,785,000, somehow this last three numbers got erased. I think it's supposed to say 880, but I'm not 100% sure. It was almost 2 million active publishers. In 2010, that number jumped up to 7 and a half million. Um, they're a pretty active group here in the United States. Uh, I don't know if this number of baptisms is worldwide or if it's just in the U.S. I'm assuming it's worldwide, but in 1974 they had 193,990 baptisms. In 1979 that jumped up to 323,439. It actually dropped a little bit in 2010 to 294,368. Now, reason of the drop, according to Dr. White, is the advent of the internet and and information being shared quickly. Um, You can find out more about groups like this online. And so it has hurt their cause. Um... He referred to the New World Translation as the single most dangerous piece of anti-Christian literature. (laughs) And, uh, like, they change things. Like, John 1.1, in the New World Translation, it says the word was a God. Um, In John 8.58, it says, um, before Abraham existed, uh, or it changes the word to existence and I have been instead of I am. Um, interesting enough, Dr. White has only done one debate with a Jehovah's Witness, and that guy's name was Greg Stafford. And apparently later on, Greg decided to uh, form his own group and split off from the Jehovah's Witnesses. So the key, according to Dr. White, when dealing with this, is to know the I am passages. John 8, 24, John 18, verses 3 through 6, John 13, 19, which is um, a quotation or, or refers to, um, to Isaiah 43, verse 10. Um, the New World Translation, they change other things to match their teaching uh, Romans 9.5, they say that Christ sprang. Uh, Colossians 1.15-17, through 17, Christ created all other things. Um, now this new version of the New World Translation, apparently the brackets where the word other is, th- that bracket's no longer there. Um, they changed Colossians 2.9. Uh, it says, because it is in him that all the witness of the divine quality. Uh, Romans 3.14 was changed. In Titus 2.13, the New World Translation inserts the word the. Um, 
Dr. White was talking about the Granville Sharp rule, so you can look that up yourself, but um, it will help you to understand when the Jehovah's Witnesses modify Scripture that grammatically it doesn't make sense. Some, some places when they do things grammatically, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the, he talked about the context of Titus 2.13, um, and then he referred to uh, Psalm 130, verses 7 through 8, uh, also Ezekiel 37, verse 23, and Exodus 19.5. And the... Um, 2 Peter 1.1 1, 1 in the New World Translation also inserts the word the. And that was about it. Um, like I said, um, I trust Dr. White. You know, when you take an intensive class with somebody for three days and you, you spend that amount of time with somebody, you can... Uh, you can genuinely tell if somebody's a legitimate expert on something or not. And clearly Dr. White is an expert in apologetics. Uh, and he's said before on his show, The Dividing Line, that uh, if they knock on your door, um, I mean, you can engage in a conversation with them, but understand that the older person of the two is going to be very um, well-versed. And I would suggest um, start off with the I Am passages that I mentioned earlier. And uh, if they continue to get argumentative, um, you could invite them to come back. But if they they choose to come back and talk with you, I would have either your pastor or somebody who's more knowledgeable about their group uh, than, uh, than you are. I would not, even right now, I mean, I've got a seminary education. I've read... At least two to three hundred books since I graduated seminary, um, somewhere around two fifty. I've tried to continue to learn and grow since seminary, and of course that was eleven years ago. Uh, but I would not consider myself an expert in dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses, and I would want somebody who is more knowledgeable. To be there with me or at least I would try to read a book about them before they came back uh, and I definitely would not want to be in a situation where I'm by myself with two Jehovah's Witnesses you want someone else to be there with you someone who's strong in the Christian faith um, course you know they may come back and realize that your pastor's there 
and they may not want to engage with you at that point and realize that you're doing what you're doing to protect yourself so that you don't get drawn into their group and in reality you you're setting up that meeting because you're trying to help them to get out of that cult and they are a cult there's no doubt about it uh and the last couple minutes i'm going to share briefly uh, there was one thing about Dr. White's presentation, and I told him at the end of the class, I said, there's one thing I have a problem with, and you didn't really explain some of the tactics on why, how, um, not why, but how Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and others get people to join these groups. Because you're like, you know, who in their right mind would join a group that believes, like the Mormons do, that 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 our God used to be a man and he became a God and then he had spiritual children in the celestial realm and then those souls come down to the earth and they inhabit a body and you're in this kind of uh, mortal prison kind of situation where you have to prove that you're good enough to get into to, to be with God in eternity and if you you repent of your sins and believe in in uh, in God, and you get baptized, and and then the elders lay hands on you, and then you uh, do all the temple things that you're supposed to do. And uh, the biggest one, of course, for the Mormons is to be married in the temple and sealed for eternity together. Um, that you can become a god and you can have celestial children with your permanent wife in eternity and and then those uh celestial children will inhabit a new planet and uh, they will worship you how in the world does an ordinary person get sucked into something like that i'll tell you how it's called love bombing. Love bombing is basically you want new people to feel like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You go to, um, like, for example, the group that I was a part of. Uh, I remember at a midweek service on a Wednesday night, uh, being told, hey, there's a new person over there. Make sure you go over and say hello to them. And everybody, hi, how you doing? So glad you're here. You have any questions? Uh, so glad. Have you started the Bible? Have you started to study the Bible yet? And, da, 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 da. and the the thing about this class that really struck me was the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses do very similar to the group that I used to be a part of and that they would do a Bible study series with a person. And these are specific Bible studies that are designed to show you that other churches are wrong, and they're the only ones that are right, and the only way you're going to... Um, experience eternity in heaven is to be a part of their group. Jehovah's Witnesses do it. The Mormons do it. The Mormons are convinced that 
that they actually have reinstated the Aaronic and the Melchizedek priesthood. And so they're the only ones that have the correct priesthood. So you can't get baptized in a regular church because, you know, according to the first vision, and, and they, the modern-day Mormons are trying to um, downplay this, but according to the first vision, uh, the angel Moroni told Joseph Smith that all these other groups are in apostasy, and they're all wrong. God is going to use Jehovah's. God is going to use Joseph Smith to bring back the truth. You know, the the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus came back invisibly, and said, "I'm going to restart everything, and and you guys are going to uh, proclaim the truth." And and it's just uh, you've got people. Who have been genuine? They're they're genuine. They're sincere, and they've been deceived. And it's really sad. And my heart goes out to them because I know what it feels like for someone in the guise of professing, you know, wanting to be radical and wanting to to proclaim the truth, and they're completely off. It's, it's literally like a ship on the sea. And you plot your course and everything. If you're one degree off, now for the first mile or so, it's not going to make much of a difference. You can always get back on course. But if you don't change that course, that one degree off, and if you've traveled a couple hundred miles, now from where you were supposed to be to where you are could be a distance of several miles. Could be up to could be up to a hundred miles off. And you're headed the wrong way. And you don't even know it. And that's what these folks are like. They're sincere. I believe that they honestly believe that the, you know the, the Watchtower Society is the only ones that are going to make it. The Mormons believe that the LDS Church is the only true church on the earth, and they're the only ones that have the correct priesthood, and everyone else is in trouble. Uh, there are strains and uh, branches of the of the Church of Christ that are pretty devout and they believe that they're the only ones that are saved and everyone else is damned to hell and we have to be wise when dealing with these folks and uh, the, the least you can do is to pray for them uh, if you feel led to use this information and go out and study more and learn more uh, that's great if not um, you know, just be very careful when you're dealing with them because they, they will, they know how to argue and they know how to defend their point of view and, um, that's how they get new members. They, somebody thinks that, oh, I, I write a book, I can go out and argue with people and then they'll throw points at you that you weren't prepared for and then all of a sudden 
They've got you convinced that they're right and you're not. And then all of a sudden you're part of that group. So anyway, I've got to start packing. I've got, I'm headed to Texas tomorrow. So please keep me in your prayers. Um, God willing, we will do a video on Tuesday and get back on course. Um, Please pray I can find a decent place to live down there because I've got a, someone to call later who I can stay with for a little while, but uh, that's not a permanent solution. So anyway, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, thank you for your patience this week. It's been a very weird week. It's been a good week, but it's just been a little weird. So until next time, have a great weekend.